thanks to Kilkenny County Council Arts Office and Creative Ireland. This is The Art Show on KCLR. A very good evening. I'm Etna Quirk and you are welcome along to The Arts Show Preview. So starting next Wednesday and every Wednesday for the next 10 weeks, Hugo Jallet will be bringing you KCLR's newest show, The Arts Show, with thanks to The Arts Office at Kilkenny County Council and Creative Ireland. And on this evening's show, we'll be looking ahead to the next 10 weeks talking to Arts Officer with Kilkenny County Council, Mary Butler. We'll be hearing from the man himself, Hugo Jellett, who has an absolutely fantastic array of skills, interests and experience. And he'll be taking us through the next 10 weeks here on The Arts Show. But first, I'm delighted to be joined in studio with Mary Butler, Arts Officer with Kilkenny County Council Arts Office. Mary, welcome to studio. Thanks a million for inviting me, Anna. First of all, tell me a little bit about yourself and your role as Arts Officer. What does it entail? I've been Arts Officer now in Kilkenny for 19 years, which I find hard to believe in myself. But I suppose essentially our work is very broad and very diverse. We manage and facilitate a brand of programmes across all art forms and I think that's one thing that maybe isn't clearly understood so we work in visual arts, music, theatre and literature and outside of those I suppose practices as well and I I kind of see us as as enablers and facilitators you know a lot of what we do is we run community programmes we do children and family programmes youth programmes but we also develop policies and strategies around the arts and um, at the core of our work is the practitioner so we really fully believe in prioritising the practitioner in quite a few ways I suppose we need to enable them and afford them with the time and space to make their work we need to support them through professional development so around the practice of being an artist but also um, the business of being an artist and when I say artist I'm always referring across art forms so it's just not just about the visual arts. I was just going to, to say that because y- you know you've been specific there about art forms. Do you find that is a common perception I suppose that when you say art people automatically assume visual art? Yeah absolutely when you use the word artist people assume you're talking about a visual artist i.e. a painter or a sculptor or a maker whereas we use the word artist or arts practitioner to refer to people across art forms you know so music um, writers um, theatre producers theatre makers I mean I personally love the word maker myself so I like I often will kind of mix you know bring the two in artist and maker together but yeah it is it's, it's, a, it's a kind of a common misconception around what we do but also across the arts in general um, understandably as well you know what I mean understandably I think but I suppose the reason there's a number of reasons why the artist is at the core of, of, of what we do and that's really because even if you parallel the work that we do with, with artists across art forms and the community and youth programmes that we run without um, kind of well-rounded and fully developed artists or giving them the opportunity to learn their practice and to learn how to work with other people, the, the, the quality of the work suffers, you know, so the communities don't get the highest quality of work and, you know, the children's programmes or the youth programmes because there's so many different aspects to being an artist now. Very few artists um, purely make work. It's a difficult place to make a living. So all of them will teach, do community work or look for, you know, project management work or whatever within the field. So they're still working within the arts and culture sphere, but they're not necessarily making their their whole income from 
their practice themselves. So I suppose our role really is around, you know, the, the theatre makers and visual artists that you see at big festivals, they had to start somewhere. Somebody had to give them a leg up. Somebody had to support them, give them their first grant. Also take a chance on them, enable them to take risks. And that's a really big role of, of, of the local authority arts offices, I think, because that's how artists you know, learn their craft or, you know, network it, knowing all those sorts of things in order to end up, I suppose, in those, you know, in those bigger spheres and performing and, and showing in those bigger places. So we really take on that role. It's sort of like a foundation role underneath what goes on. So I think contrary to popular belief, yes, we organise events from time to time, but most of what we do is not front page news. It's not glossy. It's really professional development. It's supporting artists through mentoring residencies, you know, professional development programmes, all that sort of stuff. So a huge body of work being undertaken by the the arts office all the time. And tell me from your own um, perspective, I know that you are also a maker. Yes. How did your interest in the arts in its various forms become a a source of employment for you as arts office? (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting. I think lots of arts officers um, have a practice in some art form or some shape or form. I've always been interested in the arts from a very young age. Music is hugely important to me, always has been. Is kind of the highlight of my life. But I've always, I was on a panel a couple of weeks ago and it's like I've been compelled to make even from a very, very young age. So having a formal qualification in it w- was never the be all and end all for me, even though I do have, you know, I've got a, 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 a degree and a master's degree in fine art. So fine art is my background. And it's it's very challenging to be, the full, to be an arts officer, to work full time and to still continue to make work. But it's like I'm compelled to do it. I tend not to go looking for opportunities to show my work, not because I don't want to, but because I genuinely don't have the time. But, you know, but I've still exhibited, you know, every few years over the last couple of years, I might exhibit once and then somebody might follow up and ask me to show work. And then about probably 18 months ago now, I don't know, I just went back into my studio and started to really, you know, spend more and more time making work. And I submitted work to different exhibitions and, you know, work has been accepted. So I'm now working towards a solo show next June. So, you know, that's it's just something that really interests me. But it's a little bit like um, I suppose I studied fine art as a mature student. So I think when I went back to mature, i.e. 25, very mature, uh, when I went back to college at that age, I had done an awful lot of things in London. I'd worked in theatre, I'd worked in the music business and I think just by my nature I'm quite high energy and I like to be busy. So even in college I was looking for things to do so I started to run exhibitions in the um, BVSC which was the Birmingham Voluntary Service Council at the time. So I think I really enjoy project management. I love coming up with ideas and in a way it's nearly kind of part of my practice so it just kind of made sense to go into that sort of supportive role as well. Um, It just kind of seemed to fall into place but I still hold dear that I will always continue to make work. I'll always spend time in my studio. A maker at heart. Yes. <laughs> Mary, stay with me. We have to take a quick break and after the break we might look at how the role of Arts Officer has changed. The Art Show on KCLOR with thanks to Kilkenny County Council Arts Office and Creative Ireland. And you're very welcome back to our Arts Preview show here ahead of the Art Show with Hugo Dellett starting next Wednesday after the six o'clock news. Mary Butler continues to join me in studio. And Mary, just wondering, how has the role of Arts Officer developed and changed over the years? 
It's developed hugely, actually. Our roles have changed. And I think that role around policy development and also I'm not a huge fan of the arts exclusively being a tool for change, but it is a tool for change. And I think people are starting to realise that. So when I lived in the UK, um, a lot of the funding streams were based around social inclusion. The arts were being used for social regeneration, which made perfect sense. And it was a wonderful way of engaging with people. Similarly, now over the years, you can see that, you know, particularly Ireland has changed so much. We've got new communities. Um, diversity is really important to us as a nation, you know, culturally. Um, regeneration and I suppose a really good way of engaging people in civic participation for the want of a better word you know we've worked with uh, various demographics across the county over the last 20 years where we've managed where we've enabled people to engage in their community usually through some sort of a, a creative activity um, I think that's really really important but I think it's really important as well that we don't ever leave behind or forget the intrinsic value of the arts and it's something I would like for us to discuss at a future stage but there's a kind of a coercive nature sometimes around the language around particularly funding for the arts where you know you're only eligible to apply for funding if you can fulfill very specific criteria and the criteria is becoming more and more about social regeneration diversity you know which is really important I'm not for one second saying it's not important but artists are very good at finding new ways of doing things and saying things. And I think that intrinsic and just letting artists make work that means something to them, um, it will inevitably ring true for some sector of society or for an audience as well. And I think it's really important that there's always a window that, that, that that's as significant as the other side of the arts as well. And the other side of it is selling work. You know, not all artists want to work in participatory practice. Not all of them want to do socially inclusive projects. Some of them want to make work. They want to put it on a wall and they want to sell it. And that that is then their living. And it's equally valid as the as, as all the other things. That's really interesting. So it's art for art's sake. It's, yeah. Yeah. Essentially, I think it is. It's, you know, artists are really good at in by their nature, they're very um, inventive and independent and often see things differently to other people. But the way they communicate that to people is through their work. Um, and then there's always that opportunity and window for people to interpret work, how they see fit as well. So I think that's really, really significant that there's a space for that. Yeah. And I think when <clears> you talk about funding and putting the parameters in place for funding, um, you know, it is, it is an interesting one because, as you say, you do want to promote. But I think by the nature of being creative, there is that social conscience, that mm. political element, you know. Absolutely. Um, so it doesn't necessarily, you, you don't necessarily have to conform to any particular set of ideas exactly. to create. It's prescribing. Yeah, yeah. And I think it's really important because you can, it's, it's just that equality of access to opportunities or to funding, whatever, that there are artists out there that do incredible participatory projects and that's where the richness lies for them. You know, even within my role, the richness for this in this job for me is working with communities, working with young people, working with, you know, the men's sheds or, you know, it's, it's really, really important. And I suppose as creative people, a lot of people feed off that, you know, where... 
I really get the solace for the, all the work that you put into it is seeing the impact that it has on people's lives and that's really, really important. And I think it's really important that there are elements of funding for that. For example, the Decade of Centenaries over the last couple of years, the department actually um, made a percentage of the money available specifically for arts projects and they, the quality of what they got back was incredible. Do you know what I mean? And then equally, if the arts is understood as being uh, important for that aspect, then it's also good because some artists and makers get funding from funding streams that are not arts are not arts related at all, but they have the language around explaining how the arts could be used as a tool to impact this particular community or to make change or to bring people along or to do research. So it's 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 very very broad and it's great that it's been understood so broadly now. Great stuff. I can see how much you love your <laughs> your work. I love that particularly you've um, talked about yourself and, and the role of the Arts Office with Kilkenny County Council as enablers and facilitators. I love that. Thanks. One of the things that you are undertaking is a new art programme here with ourselves on KCLR, which we are going to have a little chat about now. So the Arts Show. Yeah, the Arts Show. I think it's, I really wanted to do a radio show because we did a programme at the end of 2021 with our writers here in Kilkenny called Your Voice Matters and you know years ago when there was an arts show in Kilkenny and we actually did do one last year and we worked, um, we did one very specific, I think we did about eight weeks towards the end of last year, very specific to literature and writing um, and it's it's just another way of getting the message out there about the arts what artists are here in Kilkenny a little bit more of an understanding as, as to who they are and what they do um, and also an opportunity I'd like to see some kind of robust conversations and debates not that we need to reach any consensus around them but I would like to get people on to hear other people's opinions about some of the things that we brought up and also the significance of things like participatory projects socially inclusive arts um, the needs of artists how they're being supported you know there's also you know a valid conversation out there as to how people maybe are getting on with the new basic income for artists there's a lot going on out there um what impact maybe covid you know the pandemic had on the arts which i think is is really interesting so that's kind of one aspect of 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 what we're looking at and the other one then i think which is really lovely which i referred to earlier is to, to profile you know artists across practices in in Kilkenny. We will be talking to writers, we will be talking to theatre makers, we will be talking to musicians and we will be talking to visual artists. Um, The other thing that we're looking to do is um, Angela Dorgan, who's the director of FMC, um, and Jim Carl, who's an an Irish um, journalist, um, specifically music, and he's a blogger and writes for the Irish Times. Jim and Angela are going to come on and talk about the music plan that we're developing here in Kilkenny with the Arts Office. So I had approached Angela around music plan for Kilkenny and totally coincidentally she had done some similar work in three or four of the counties so she was more than happy to come on board. But um, the Arts Office is also a partner with Carlo Carlo Waterford and Wexford for our professional development programmes called Artlinks. So when I saw how keen Angela was and the programmes they'd already started, I suggested that we do a music plan for all four counties together. So I spoke to the other arts officers. So we're actually doing a music plan for each county. But the difference it will make that we do it as a four county partnership is that if something interesting comes up in Carlow, a Kilkenny musician can attend that and vice versa. So it and also I was just really keen that we develop music supports 
at the same rate across the region because it just makes sense then from that point of view for uh, support for artists. We're also hoping to have um, a weekly diary as well. Hopefully lots Mm. of local music and talent and an opportunity, as you say, for robust discussion. And coming up after the break, we'll be hearing from the man himself, Hugo Jellet. Stay tuned. The Art Show on KCLOR with thanks to Kilkenny County Council Arts Office and Creative Ireland. You're very welcome back to our special preview show tonight of our upcoming art show with Hugo Jellett. Earlier this week, I caught up with Hugo and we're going to have a listen to what he had to say. My name's Hugo Jellett and and I'm delighted to be presenting a new art show. I'm really looking forward to it. I've spent about 35 years now working in the arts and I've worked across almost every art form in some part of my life or another. Um, I currently uh, um, run a festival called the Boris House Festival of Writing and Ideas that takes place in um, in Boris, and uh, I've been doing that for about um, 11 or 12 years now. And then for the other half of the year, I'm one of the creative makers for Electric Picnic, which is a festival that most people will know takes place in County Leash. And those are my two main bodies of work, but my background, my history with the arts goes back a really long way. I, I Straight from school, I, I went to work in random house publishers in London. I spent um, a couple of years there with um, a travel writer um, and adventurer called Tim Severin, who lived in Cork McSherry, then in Cork for, for years and years. Um, after I finished university, I came back to, to Dublin to work in the Lilliput Press, which is one of the most incredible small independent publishers that we have the fortune of of having in Ireland. And I really cut my teeth there in book publishing. I then won one of those Morrison visas and moved to New York City and began work for HarperCollins Publishers. And I thought ahead of me was going to be a, a life in books. But then when I when I came home back home to Ireland... I actually worked down in Gorham Park Racecourse for a wee bit after my spell in New York City and loved it. I loved it there, lived in Kilkenny for a while and um, and then back up to Dublin to the Gaiety Theatre where I spent for the first time in my life uh, a, a little bit of time working in in, in a receiving house. That's what, it, that's what the Gaiety is. It takes in touring plays and shows and obviously produces its own pantomime and, um, and, I, and I got to run the... Uh, the infamous Gaiety nightclubs, those are the ones that, that uh, through some peculiar theatre licence, ran till four in the morning for a very, very long time. And after that, I worked in the Irish Film Institute. And the Irish Film Institute gave me a very fast and intriguing education into independent filmmaking and, and, um, and art films. And then I decided I needed to go and learn about contemporary art, so I moved to the Irish Museum of Modern Art, and I spent five years there, and um, uh, found myself having to having to learn a whole new vocabulary. Um, there's a vocabulary around visual art that that that, um, that doesn't exist around most other art forms, and it, and it's um, a forum that that seems to thrive off being able to describe a, a piece of visual art in words um, and uh, so that was really my 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 the, the area that I spent m- most of my time um, struggling with and trying to um, trying to learn and then I moved to County Carlo and 
ran the Carlo Arts Festival there and um, stepped in for a little while to run the Visual Centre for Contemporary Art. And then after a little while, I began to get involved in, in music festivals. So before that, while I was in the Carlo Arts Festival, I, I, I used that opportunity to start something, to, to start a couple of other smaller festivals. One was the History Festival of Ireland, and I did that with, with a colleague and a friend of mine called Turtle Bunbury, um, who lives over in Carlo and I'm sure has, has a very familiar uh, voice to many of the listeners on KCLR. And then I started the Boris House Festival of Writing and Ideas. And I ran them for for um, three years while I was there, or three or four years. And then I found that the History Festival, I thought it was going to be the one that was going to last forever because in every pub in Ireland there are three historians leaning up against the bar telling each other how things were and what happened in the past. And, I, and, it's, and it's so inherent, inherent in all of our blood that... I foresaw this time where where there would be a glut of history festivals across the country because that's what we really adore. But actually I was wrong, and um, it turns out that what we really needed was a literary festival that dismantled the standard archetypal book event. And what it needed was for the literary festival to become like a music festival and to have a younger feel to it and for people to consider the idea of coming to camp when they're listening to writers talk instead of coming to camp to listen to Arcade Fire come and perform. And um, I didn't really expect that to to last, and then it did, and, and, and on it went. And um, f- fortunately for, for us and for everyone in, in, in Kilkenny and Carlo, it's still going today. That is a very impressive... CV. It seems to me that it's the CV of someone really indecisive, um, and uh, but but in a way it it, it is. Um, and I think you know I think indecision is quite a quite a good quality to have, particularly in the arts because you you know you 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 need to be open to 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 every single art form in order to appreciate one more than the other. That's what I was just going to ask you then. What what are the arts for Hugo? I like I like to be taken somewhere, um, either by a piece of music or by a story, or by a piece of well-written non-fiction, um, and I like to be transported by a piece of by a piece of sculpture to a place that that I wasn't in before I walked into the room where that sculpture is. So it's really about being transitioned. Um, at that moment into someone else's world and either giggling as a result of it or crying as a result of it or 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 feeling moved in some other way i find some art forms much easier to admire and to like and to use than other art forms are and i and i like being muddled by art i like not understanding everything straight away I like going to see something that I don't really understand and then walking off and getting on a bus and thinking about what it was that I'd just seen and coming to five different conclusions before I finish my bus journey. That's interesting. Is that why you struggle then with the 
literary words for art. You know, when you were talking about when you talk about being transported and transitioned and the feelings. For me, art is more about how I feel about something rather than trying to find words to describe a particular piece or describe what I'm seeing or hearing that it's a feeling. Yeah, there's a book by a guy called Ed Viliami called When Words Fail. He's a, he's a war journalist and he has spent his time trying to report back from the front line about what's going on in, in, in Bosnia or wherever it might be that he's posted. And he finds quite often that he doesn't have the he doesn't have the words. He doesn't have the vernacular. He doesn't have, he doesn't have the ability to to make that to make the communication true to what he's seen. And that's not to do with Ed not being the most incredible wordsmith. It's just that words aren't enough. And and actually, his conclusion as a as a as the author of that book is that music is often a far better communicator. Of a, of a of a dreadful war zone than a report back to, in his case, The Guardian. And so I, I think there is a little bit of that. And, and yes, I because I've spent most of my, my, my own career in book publishing and therefore using the written word as a form of communication, I mind terribly when when those those words that you have or the vocabulary that you've that you've built up yourself is somehow inadequate. And then again, it's also quite lovely that a piece of music can step in and replace that lack of vocabulary. So, Hugo, over the course of our series here, what can people expect? I think they're going to expect to hear about uh, arts events that are taking place, either in the counties of Carlow and Kilkenny or anywhere else in this world that has some tie back to people who, who live here. Um, and I think people are going to get a chance to hear profiles of some um, local artists and also some quite noted international artists, um, artists, writers, performers, musicians. I think people will get to hear music that they haven't perhaps heard before from uh, local musicians, and I think they're that we're going to hear from a series of, of voices who work in the art sector in, in Carlow and Kilkenny and who might offer advice about what to go and see or offer advice to, to an artist about uh, how he or she might go about improving their own careers or it might be that we'll spend a little bit of time uh, talking to a, an art critic about how difficult it is to be a part of a uh, of a world where they're not the art maker themselves they're the second they're the second generation if you like of that of that unfolding so um it's going to be a broad art show and it's going to be i uh, hope full of uh, full of um discovery and full of audacity and full of variety he has an impressive cv mary he does have an impressive CV. He's been a busy man. <laughs> he certainly has. Um, so you can get in contact with us here, the art show at kclr96fm.com or get in touch on our Dinners Ready text line. It's 083-306-9696. Mary, just a little bit about the funding for the uh, programme that we are receiving from yourselves at the Arts Office with Kilkenny County Council. Yeah, well, just to talk about funding, the funding for this show is actually from Creative Ireland. So a lot of people who 
work in the arts or culture or heritage library sector. It's very broad. Their approach, their programming approach is very, very broad. Um, their funding is directly from the department. You know, we're, we're actually just in the process of writing the strategy and the pillar really that a lot of our work has come under up until now has been pillar two, which is really about engaging as many people across the communities in, in the arts um, and in culture in, you know, various shapes and forms. So, you know, we're really grateful to Creative Ireland for that funding and they've enabled us to do a lot of different programmes across the county. Um, one of the biggest ones that we've run over the last three years that I've managed is Knitted Together, which a lot of people will be familiar with. So our knitting and crocheting project, which has been really, really powerful, actually. Um, but it's also a good opportunity for me to let people know at this point if it's if it's um, the appropriate time to do it about, you know, funding for artists locally as well. It's a good time to start thinking about it at the end of the year. And I t- kind of try to do a preview, you know, kind of a little let people know so they have time to think and that they don't just start thinking about projects when they see a grant advertised. Obviously, this is dependent on budget, but assuming we get the budgets next year, we will be advertising our ArtsAct grants, um, which artists across any art forms can apply to. And I suppose the onus on the ArtsAct grants, which makes it slightly different, is it is about sharing work with communities and that has an impact on community or improves the quality of work that's out there. Um, we will also have uh, Creative Ireland funding as well next year so just for people to keep an eye on the local authority websites and we usually do a funding booklet for that and the other one then I referred to earlier was Artlink so that's our four county partnership those bursaries are for emerging professional artists and it is about them and their work and their own professional development but they must be a member of Artlinks in order to apply for that funding. So just to, you know, worry about the details later, but just to think, you know, to be aware that there will be funding streams next year. And finally, we did do um, How to Achieve Success in Funding um, seminar last year and that is available on YouTube on the Arts Office YouTube so that will really help you with filling in your applications Brilliant and for people who are interested in those um, funding streams how can they get some more information how can they get in contact with you um, If they email the Arts Office we we need permission to put you know GDPR we need permission to put people on our database so if they email deirdre.southey at kilkennycoco.ie they can let Deirdre know that they won't be, want to be added to the database and which art form and we also have a blog Kenny Arts Office has a blog which it developed as well in the last year which is I hope very colourful engaging and you know there's loads of information there and that's just kilkennyartsoffice.ie Super stuff so people can find you in yes. lots of different places yeah. and if they get in touch with us here as well at the art show at kclord96fm.com I will send them your way Thank you very much <laughs> So to the audience how important is the audience, not just from um, a radio listenership, obviously it's hugely important to us that our, our listeners are engaged and entertained, but from a consumer point of view, the the consumer of art okay, forms. Yeah. Well, the audience is really important, but I would always say not the amount of people in the audience. For me, it's the impact that the work has on the audience. If it's five people and it has an impact on their lives positive ideally do you know what I mean that it actually hits people and that you know the audience engage or just get lost in something for a brief period of time or go away thinking about something or go away challenged it's really really important and we are always looking to 
you know, we're never gonna, we're, we never want to force people to something. But sometimes I think people underestimate what they might get from, you know, a piece of theatre or a concert or going into a visual art exhibition. Um, and I suppose one of the, the big ways to diversify our audiences is, is why participatory art practice has become so important. But another example of that, I suppose, is Sinead Kyo. Sinead is our emerging curator in residence this year. We run an emerging curator development programme. And Sinead has been incredible with engaging with um, lots of um, different sectors of of society, including across her programme. She's worked with NCBI, uh, Amber, Amber Women's Refuge, and has put out there other ways of consuming the programmes and the projects and the exhibitions that 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 have been curated by Sinead. Um, so I suppose if we have different ways of sharing our work, it's, it's, it's really, really important as well. And COVID has kind of helped us. Now, personally, I'm not a big fan of exhibitions at all online, but certainly from the point of view of engaging with people for workshops and for professional development programmes or for teaching or learning, definitely on you know zoom has been an incredible kind of resource for us and we will continue to use it for for some of our programs right through and it's interesting as well then sometimes how audiences and consumers eventually become participants which is always nice to see um a lot of us are are still in the zoom uh the allergic to zoom yeah (laughs) i'm not i'm not I, i quite like zoom personally i think it probably opened things up for people as well in a way you know, maybe people who, who don't have access or um, if you look at issues like affordability or things like that, you know, I think maybe it opened opened things mm. up to people. Even, um, even shyness. You know, if you if you think, you know, I'd really like to try and do some writing, but I'm I've never done it before. I'm too shy. It's very easy to turn up to a Zoom workshop, maybe send the person who's running it a message going, I'm really shy, I don't want to turn my camera on. You know, and you've been, you know, you could do a six week course and, you know, in your own time, in your own space. There's a lot of people out there who maybe don't have the confidence and then build that confidence. I think it's really important for that as well. Yeah, uh, that's it's a really good point. It's one of the things I think I'm looking forward to to hearing about over the next 10 weeks here on the art show that that expressionism, the vulnerability that comes with being a creator, I think, um, you know, that you put yourself into your work, you put it out there and when do you let go or when mm. does it, it must be a difficult process to to then be critiqued. Yeah, it is. And it's interesting because you kind of leave yourself at the mercy of it. But, you know, we have a big pro- a national programme called Platform 31 and I attended the national meeting a couple of weeks ago and it was really interesting. There was one painter there who just said, absolutely love a curator. She said, I'm in my studio, I paint, I hand them to the curator and I walk away. And she was thrilled to have somebody else take her work and install and decide where things go. And then there are other artists who absolutely, it would be the complete opposite. The idea of handing their work over um, just wouldn't sit well with them at all. And it's a very personal thing. But that's why, you know, she is not installation based. Each work stands in its own right. Each painting is is the finished piece. And she's, you know, perfectly happy to hand it to a curator and let them decide where it goes on the wall, what height it goes on the wall, you know, that sort of thing. And then there are people who just couldn't do that, you know. And there's always, you know, particularly when you work with other people or you negotiate or people, you know, commissions, all that sort of stuff, there's a huge level of negotiation that will always go on there because the artists, like you say, often what they do is very, very personal. Um, so A huge level of trust as well, I, I imagine. Yes. Yes, yeah. yeah, absolutely. Fascinating chat. Mary, thank you so much. Um, is there anything you would like to add before we 
finish up any names you've forgotten (laughs) I don't think so I just really um, I'm quite excited about this series of the show I think um, you know I think some of the plans that we have um, are are quite solid I really like the idea of being able to profile local practitioners um, on the radio as well I'm looking forward to hearing more local you know up and coming musicians a lot of whom I came across during the local life performance scheme myself Um, so yeah I suppose just thanks to KCLR thanks to Creative Ireland for the funding and um, yeah I'm looking forward to it watch this space yes, over the absolutely. next 10 weeks who um, who works with you in the arts office um, my, I have Deirdre Southey mm-hmm. and uh, Bernadette Roberts Great. so they're so. my two um, yeah couldn't could not do it without them absolutely we have a you know we have a tall order yeah absolutely. between us <laughs> absolutely uh, an incredible trio Um Mary Butler, Arts Officer with Kilkenny County Council Arts Office. Thank you so much for joining us in studio. Really looking forward to um, a fantastic array of guests and music and information and chat and events and profiling and all sorts of everything over the next 10 weeks. Thank you so much for your time, Mary. Thanks a million, Ethna. The Art Show on KCLR with thanks to Kilkenny County Council Arts Office and Creative Ireland. We're almost out of time here this evening. Thank you so much for your company. Before we leave, I just want to play us out with a song by local artist Ali Comerford, an exceptionally talented musician and writer. I absolutely love this song and I'm really looking forward to featuring Ali in our Artist in Profile section starting next Wednesday here on the show with Hugo Jellet. Thank you so much for your company this evening. Have a great evening and we'll talk to you soon. And we're going to play out this evening with Ali Comerford and Knots. My unsaid words, they turn themselves into the knots that need and twist their way around my breathing lungs. They dupe me into skipping days and worst of all, into leaving my unheard songs still unsung. I cannot find the timber when I'm looking in the trees. And I've lost the wind's location as I stand out in the breeze Because I worry like no other It's always one thing or another It keeps me awake and it makes me wonder if I am alone When the spiral starts at night About the thing I said eight years ago To someone I don't know Would it be weird to reach out now And ask forgiveness for the wrongs That can't seem to wait till tomorrow My thoughts take me on journeys I don't really want to go But I'm so bad at directions that I can't find my way back home Because I worry like no other It's always one thing or another It keeps me awake and it makes me wonder if I am
They turn themselves into the knots that need and twist their way around my breathing lungs. With thanks to Kilkenny County Council Arts Office and Creative Ireland, this is The Art Show on KCLR with Hugo Jellis.